0: You know, we started this series and we're in uh, the third segment of it now. The series is entitled, Come to Me. So as we discuss this today, I just want to make sure we understand how important this is. Jesus didn't come to give us a religion. He came to teach us about relationship. Jesus constantly talked about how he and the Father are one. He also talked about how when we accept him, we become one with him. It's relationship talk, not religion talk. Religion is pretty much man-made concept. Jesus came to teach us relationship. God had a relationship with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. That's what was broken. That's what was going to be restored. Jesus came to restore that relationship. Does everybody get that? So... Whenever we come to Jesus, the whole concept here is making sure that's who we come to. We don't come to the Baptist Jesus. We don't come to the Episcopalian Jesus. We don't come to the Presbyterian Jesus. We come to Jesus. So he says, come to me. Now, again, we need to make sure that that's who we're coming to because sometimes we can get a little twisted. We can get a little confused and we come to a process Instead of Christ, we come to a organization instead of Christ. Well, actually, this is a pretty simple thing. He says, come to me. So if you don't mind, we're going to jump right into this thing today because we got a lot to cover, but we're going to have a wonderful time. Listen to me. We are excited about being able to do what we are doing right now. But we're also excited about soon. You can hear the drumbeat starting to build It'll be time to come back in person here pretty soon. So listen, we're excited about that as well. We hope you are as well also. Let's pray and then we'll get started. Father, thank you for allowing us to do this. May your sweet Holy Spirit use my mind to think in and my mouth to speak, speak from. That same Holy Spirit shall work in all of us who are under the sound of my voice today. Bless us with wisdom and discernment. And open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, that we can see. We thank you for the victories we're about to experience because of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone say it. Come to me. We're going to read a verse, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. This is going to be in the message paraphrase. Again. There's a lot of stuff out there about paraphrases versus translations praise versus this and versus that. And I don't like that translation and I don't like that. Well, listen to me, whatever information gives me better insight to who Jesus is and makes it clear and easy for me to understand, I'm going to utilize, you know, if my wife told me she loved me in Spanish. I may have a problem because I don't understand Spanish. But if she told me she loved me in English, I can get that. So as long as I can understand it, it benefits me better. Does everybody understand that? Are you sure? Because there's some translations that can be rather confusing. And there's this particular paraphrase that I think is pretty simple and easy to understand. So listen, I'm not going to argue with you. Don't write me any emails because I'm not going to respond to those. It's a paraphrase, and I'm going to use it today. All right. Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 to 30, and it reads as follows: "Are you tired? Hmm. Worn out? burned out on religion? Is that possible? You ever seen the hamster in those little glass things? And the hamster is on that little thing, and he's just running. Right? And we are torturers. We, we are torturers. We sit there and look at that poor hamster. We want to incite him to get on the little treadmill thing so we can sit there and watch him just run and run. And he's going nowhere. But for some reason, we kind of enjoy that. We kind of do that with people when they come to Christ rather than have them relax they come and now we have to put them to work, to work for their salvation, to work for the relationship, to work for all of those things when that should not be happening. So over a period of time, you know, it's come to church, make sure you have this, make sure you hear this, and make sure you're part of that team, and make sure you do this. For after a period of time, that work becomes so overwhelming that you get tired. I know there's some people right now are tired of going to church. Tired. Tired. Tired of, of going through all of that stuff. Listen to me. The, the Jews, during this time period, they added over 640 different traditions to the Word of God. So, it got to the point that you couldn't drink a cup of water without having a cloth, that you would take a sip, and then you would have to wipe the rim of the cup to remove the germs that were on your lips, that were placed on the cup. And you had to say a little prayer as you wiped that. Have you ever been really thirsty? The last thing you want to do is have to wipe the rim of that cup after every sip. I, again, these are traditions that grew up over a period of time. Again, you if you were hungry and it was the Sabbath, you couldn't eat. Are y'all understanding me? See, these religion views, these religious concepts will wear you out. So are you tired? We're going to fix that today. Let's listen. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Jesus says, what? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Now, not rest of going to sleep or quit working, but now you will work not to achieve. You will work because you already have achieved through Christ. See, I work. I do what I do because of what Christ has provided for me. Jesus is my savior. I have accepted him. Therefore, I am Saved. I'm not working to be saved. I am working because I am saved. So I work from a point of rest. I work from a point of calmness. I don't have to achieve what Jesus has already achieved for me. Does that make sense to anybody today? So listen, it says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Wow. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. I listened to a preacher the other day who said to this group of people, listen, you have to pray this way because if you pray, if you don't pray this way, God will not hear you. So if you want such and such and so and so you need to pray this way. I have some friends that are Muslims, great people, but they have to pray five times a day. They have to wash before prayer in certain ritual formations of washing one arm first and the other one cleaning out their nose and their ears and doing all of that stuff. And, and again, I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying that that is a lot of work <laughs> to go to a God. Who has already accepted you. So what you're telling God. I got to do these things to get to you. And God is saying. That's going to wear you out. I don't know about you. I like praying. Now I'm not quite sure. I want to force myself to pray five times a day. And each prayer has a certain amount of. Positions in it. Again I'm not knocking anything. I'm just telling you. Do you think God hears me. Do you believe God hears me or do you believe that God will only hear me if I do a ritual bath before I talk to him? Because if I'm in a place where I can't do that, do you think he will hear me? Are y'all understanding what I'm saying today? Make sure... That you're not doing things that become this ritual that will become a religion to you that you place before you and Christ when all you have to do is come to him just as you are. Do you believe that he will accept you just as you are? And then once he accepts you, those are the times that you begin to change your life when you begin to experience this grace. Because grace teaches you to say no to ungodliness. So once you know you're saved, once you know this grace has been extended to you, your lifestyle begins to change then. We got people trying to change their lives before they understand that Jesus has already accepted them. I pray God this is making sense to you today. Let's read on. He says, watch how I do it. Learn the unfourth rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I don't know about you. I like that offer. To live freely and lightly. You know, some people almost get angry when you tell them that Jesus just loves them. We just sang the song. It says, come to him just as you are. We say, what a friend we have in Jesus. Is he your friend? Can you come to him just as you are? And again, as you come to him just as you are, he accepts you. And once you understand what that means, then your life begins to change. And I really need us to grasp that now because what we have are a bunch of Christian hamsters on these wheels. And they're running, trying to make trying to please God by their behavior when God is pleased with Christ's behavior. Now, that doesn't mean you should go out and do something stupid, but we'll get to that in a minute. But the idea is, understand, because you are saved, you are saved. From that vantage point, your life then begins to change. Let's read this little little paragraph here. It says, It may be difficult to recognize and accept the remarkable simplicity of the Bible's actual message. I'm going to read it one more time. It may be difficult to recognize and accept the remarkable simplicity of the Bible's actual message. What is that? Come to me. So let's just deal with this. Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. God told them, do not eat of that tree or you will surely die. Well, they ate of the tree. If they died physically, then the Bible would only be that thick. Because there wouldn't have been any more to talk about. But they didn't die physically, they died spiritually. Death in that context is separated from God. To be separated from God, who is life, is death. So they were separated from God. So now they have this death. They are experiencing living every day without a connection to God, without his guidance, without his care, without his love. So that is the actual death that they are experiencing. John 3.16 said that God so loved the world that he sent his son, his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would have what everlasting life. So Jesus came to restore that life. How does he do it? He paid the price that we owed for sin. And once he paid that price, then God took what we owed, put it on Jesus, and Jesus gave us his right standing with God. Therefore, we've been reconciled. Are y'all still with me today? So, So Jesus says, come to me. I am the person that restores your life. Come to me. Again, this concept gets kind of muddied whenever we break off into these denominational views because the denominational view will tell her you can't come to Jesus that way. I talked to a lady the other day who was baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. She went to join her family move. They went to another, quote, church. Pastor asked him, have you been baptized? The lady said, yes. He asked her specifically. Were you baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? She said, yes. He said, we're going to have to baptize you again because you only have to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, sound crazy to you? Oh, there's so many other things, and you know I am telling the truth. Each one of these denominations have created one little sliver of information that separates them from the other group. And they want you to believe that their avenue to Christ is the only one that you can travel to come to him. Jesus makes it very, very plain in the Bible. Come to me. Don't come to me, you know, the Presbyterian way. Don't come to me, the Baptist way. Don't put any of that stuff in between me and you. Just come to me. Is this making sense to any of you? Now, for some of us, that's scary. Because we actually believe, you know, hey, I'm a, I'm a Baptist. I'm a Baptist for life. Have fun with that, bro. You know what I am? I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian for life. I'm going to be Christ-like. I'm coming to Jesus because I needed him. I didn't need to be on that little wheel anymore. I was running on that thing every single day. Because I didn't know I could just come to him. I thought I could only get to him through... A denominational view. I hope this is helpful today. Let's go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. We're going to read verse 33. And this in the amplified translation. This is Jesus speaking. He said, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have perfect peace. In him, we may have perfect peace. In the world, you have tribulation and distress and suffering. But be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. So what we have here are two separate entities. We have come to Jesus. We have the world. The world is philosophical ideologies, mindsets. Jesus is very simple and plain. He says, come to me. He says, in the world, you're going to have all of these things. And please understand what I'm saying. You're going to have all of these things. What he's saying is you'll experience those things, but they won't have the same effect on you if you come to me first. Because if you come to me, you'll build your house on me, which is the rock instead of sand. And if you build your house on me, when these trials and tribulations and things come, when the storm comes, when the flood comes through, it'll pass you, it'll knock you and twist you. But your house will continue to stand or your life will continue to stand. Does that make sense to anybody today? So it's important that we get that. Come to me, Jesus, or be led by the world. Jesus creates unity. He creates rest. He creates joy. He creates for us perfect peace. What does the world create for us? Division, separation, anger, all of those things. Are y'all getting this this morning? So Jesus says, come to me. And even the fact that you are physically in the world, you won't be of the world. So the world in this context is not the physical earth that we live in. It is that philosophical ideologies or those mindsets that we live in that can govern us, that can guide us on an everyday basis. I don't know about you. I'm tired. Boy, am I tired. I am so I don't even listen to the news anymore because I am tired of this constant babble going on about division, about this. I mean, you can't even go to dinner. I went, we went to dinner a couple of weeks ago with some guy and the first thing out of his mouth was, what do you think about the Democrats? Brother, I'm too busy eating this shrimp. I'm, if you want to know about the shrimp, I'll tell you how good the shrimp is. But I'm not talking about anything else but this shrimp, which is actually really good. Because, again, there's, he's in a world. I'm not going back to that world. I came to Jesus. I'm going to stay in this world where I have this peace, where I have this unity, where I have this joy. Listen, I live in the same physical world that he does, does and I may be experiencing some of the same tribulations that he is, but I'm not falling victim to the tribulations. I am learning to live above those things. Is this making sense? So I, you can't engage me in that stuff anymore. I don't have time for that. If you wanna be upset, angry, fearful, have fun. I I just don't have time. Listen, it says, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome all of those philosophical ideologies. My conquest is what? Accomplished, my victory, Abiding. So Jesus came into the world and he called us to come to him. When we come to him, he transfers us from darkness into light. It is not a physical transition. It is a spiritual. It is a soul transition. It is an emotional transition. You move from a world of that is governed by worry and fear and consternation to a world that is governed by joy and peace. You will experience the same things that everybody else is experiencing, but your response to those things is different because you are built on the rock because you came to Jesus. Amen. Okay. So once we're there, let's go to Romans chapter six. Once we're there, we're going to go to Romans chapter six. Y'all having fun yet? I know I am. I like this stuff. Again, the amplified translation. It says, what shall we say to all this? All the stuff that I'm talking about today. Should we continue in sin and practice sin as a habit so that God's gift of grace may increase and overflow? Man, I've heard this in the church a million times. Greasy grace. Oh, that grace stuff is too easy. Okay. (laughs) Grace and Jesus are synonymous. They're the same thing. Jesus ushered in grace. He ushered in this undeserved kindness, this, this unmerited kindness. We didn't deserve that. Jesus ushered that in for us. Was it easy for Jesus to do that? I don't remember the cross being greasy. I don't remember it being greasy as he was carrying that thing down the road. I don't remember being on Golgotha Hill that anything there was greasy or easy. But he did it so we could be able to come from the world and come to him because he is the door. He is the gate. Is this making sense today? Let's read on. It says certainly not. How can we, the very ones who died to sin, continue to live in it any longer? Please go along with me. Or are you ignorant of the fact that all of us who have been baptized into who? Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Hear me. Baptized into his death, meaning that when we were baptized, not just the water baptism, but the spiritual baptism of dying to the person I used to be. Now, baptism in this case means death. We are buried with Christ like Christ is buried. Then we are resurrected spiritually, we become a brand new person. Brand new. So that means the things that govern my behavior before don't govern my behavior anymore because they no longer have the power to do so. I can now walk free. I can now be free of the things that held me bound before. We got a lot of people who got wet in a baptismal pool. And never changed. And um, that breaks my heart more than anything that they weren't really taught or shown how important that experience is an outward expression of an inward transformation. Let me read on it says we have therefore been buried with him through baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory and power of the Father, we too might walk habitually in newness of life, abandoning our old ways. How does it happen? Us understanding, I died during that baptism. I died, the old me died. So the things that guided me before don't have the power to guide me now. I can begin to break those chains because I'm now reconciled. I've come to God just as I am. And now he's gonna guide me to live a new life. For if we have become one with him, permanently united in the likeness of his death, we will also certainly be one with him and share fully in the likeness of his resurrection. Come to Jesus. Come to him. He'll lead you through death and then back to life. Life meaning reconciliation with God the father who has authority over all things and from that position as a child of God you determine what things are beneath you so let me just take you on a little quick journey the kingdom in a kingdom there's a king and if you are a child of the king there are certain things in the kingdom that don't mess with you they don't Attract you you have nothing to do with those things if you are a child of the king you don't eat scraps from the pig pen If you're a child of the king You don't get involved in a whole bunch of low-level activity that is going on in the world because you are a child of the king So as a child of the king, I begin to live a life that resembles or manifests the power of the king who lives in me Is this making sense? So I changed my lifestyle. I changed how I live. I don't do those same things anymore. I just don't do them. I don't not do them to get saved. I do them because I am saved. I'm a child of God. I don't need to do that stuff anymore. Let's read on. It says, we know that our old self, our human nature without the Holy Spirit was nailed to the cross with him being Jesus in order that our body of sin might be what done away with so that we would no longer. I love this be slaves to sin. We, we sang that song one time. I'm no longer a slave to sin, no longer a slave. We would be no longer be slaves to sin for the person who has died with Christ has been freed from the power, everybody say power, of sin. Now the power of sin is what it says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. The payment of the sin activity is death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life. So the power of sin, when you stumble, when you fall, the power of sin is to condemn you. To bring condemnation and guilt back into your life. But because we have been freed from that, Hear me. You'll never be sinless. You will sin less, but you'll never be sinless. So when you stumble, you don't have to worry about the power of sin climbing back on your back, condemning you, forcing you into guilt, forcing you into rejection, to withdraw from the church. No. Sin no longer has that power. You can now get up and say, Father, I thank you that your son died for me. I thank you that you freed me from the power of sin. I don't have to experience condemnation. I don't have to experience guilt. I get up and I go fulfill what you've called me to do. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live together with him. Live, not just breathe but live together with him. Because we know the self-evident truth that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. For the death that he died, he died to what? Sin. Ending its power... And paying the sinner's debt once and for all. And the life that he lives, he lives to glorify God in unbroken fellowship with him. Even so, even so, even so, consider yourselves dead to sin. Consider yourselves to be dead to sin and your relation to it broken, but alive to God in unbroken fellowship with him, but alive to God in unbroken fellowship. So hear me. That was just a noise there. That was God saying, go ahead, Ben. That's beautiful stuff. Go and keep preaching. You have been separated from sin. You, when you come to Christ, have been added into this unbroken relationship. The same relationship that Jesus has with God, you now have with Jesus. It's unbroken. I need you to understand what unbroken means because a lot of these denominations will continue to teach you that you're going to lose it. You'll mess it up. You won't be able to get it. You'll, all kinds of things. It's unbroken. It cannot be broken because Jesus broke the back of sin. He paid for it once and for all. So quit being sin conscious and be Jesus conscious. Understand what Jesus has done because he has defeated sin. So don't live in the fear of sin. Live in the glory of Jesus. Find out what Jesus has done and then you can live. How do you live? Rest it. (laughs) Free. The burden is light. It's not heavy. Why? Because you're free. But no, most of these denominational views teach us to elevate the power of sin, even though the Bible tells us that Jesus has defeated it. Does this this make sense to anybody today? Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin and your relation to it broken, but alive to who? To God in unbroken fellowship with him in Christ Jesus. So did you come to Jesus? Then guess what? You're free. Oh, pastor, I I don't know if I can believe that. I don't know what else there is for you to believe. Because the only thing left to believe is that sin still has power. When the scriptures just told you that it doesn't. So it's a matter of what you're going to believe. Again, the choice is the world or come to Jesus. You can come to the philosophical ideologies and live under that heavy weight. Or you can come to Jesus and his burden is light. One more verse and we'll close this out today. Let's go to Acts chapter four. Acts chapter four. Y'all having fun? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 4, Amplified Translation. It says, Then Peter, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, said to them, listen closely, Rulers and elders of the people, members of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high court. This is the religious people of that time. If we are being put on trial today to interrogate us, for a good deed done to benefit a disabled man man who was in the temple who had a withered hand they healed his withered hand a disabled man as to how this man has been restored to health let it be known and clearly understood by all of you and by all the people of Israel that in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you demanded be crucified by the Romans. Now, they're being interrogated. They're being asked questions because this man who had the withered hand is going to be a symbol of us. He was separated from the peril of living life with one hand. He was separated from the toughness or the hardness of trying to make a living, trying to provide for his family with one hand. Now, I need you to understand the whole time that religious leadership at that time, seen that man with that withered hand and never addressed the witheredness of his hand. They never thought about that. They just considered him somebody, but they never considered who or what he was or if he had a family. They didn't consider that at all. Jesus or the men, Peter and him came along in representation of Jesus and said, we want to free this man from this peril. Jesus came to free us from the peril of living under the weight of sin each and every day. He cared about us, but I need you to know even today, there are spiritual concepts or ideas out here who don't want you free. You can tell them, hey, you know what? Jesus loves me and I'm saved forever. And they'll go, oh, wait, wait a minute. What do you mean by forever? You know, you know, forever in the Greek doesn't mean forever. Man, stop. But they'll try to convince you that there's something wrong in accepting the simple, straightforward truth that coming to Jesus changes everything. They want you to believe that there's still something missing that tells Jesus on the cross that his death and resurrection was not enough. That we still need to add something to that to make it safe for us. Are y'all hearing me today? I know how we've been raised, I know the places we've been. And some of us are fearing losing our salvation. Some of us try to find scriptures that would support that concept where in reality they really don't if you read them in the context of what they're written. But let me finish. It says, And whom God raised from the dead in this name, this it, that is by the authority and the power of who? Jesus. This man stands here before you in good health. How many of you are in good health today? In good health. I'm not just talking about physical health. I'm talking about spiritual health. How many of you are in really good health today? That you really do believe. You know what? I'm saved. Woo! (laughs) I am saved, man. I am saved and nothing can change that. So I'm going to live my life as a saved person. I'm not going to worry about sin. I'm not going to worry about the tribulations and the troubles of the world. I will experience them, but I have a joy. Inside of me that cannot be contained. I have a peace inside of me that cannot be contained. Matter of fact, the peace is so great. I don't even really understand how great it is. It surpasses my understanding. That's what comes from coming to Jesus. So it allows me to stand here even when people don't like you pick on you try to stop you try to lie on you or even this crazy stuff that's going on in the world. I can stand here today. And tell you, I love Jesus. I love being free. Does that make sense to you today? I'm, don't ask me to come join with you in, in pessimism. I'm not coming. That's a party I'm not coming to. Don't see me an invitation. Joy, peace. This Jesus is the stone which was despised... And rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. So this religious leadership built their lives, not on the cornerstone of Jesus, but they built their lives on their rituals, on their traditions, on their theological ideas. They didn't build it on Jesus. Therefore, when somebody did something in the name of Jesus, they could not recognize that. And they refused to accept it as being real because it didn't come from them. A friend of mine recently called me and told me that his church disassociated him. Gave him the left arm of fellowship disfellowshipped him and we talked about it on the phone because i had to talk this guy off the ledge because this is all he has known and because of this particular situation he now thinks that he has lost everything so i told him as i'm telling you today did you come to jesus or did you come to that denominational view of jesus Because if you just came to that view, then you should be glad they disavowed you. You should be glad they excommunicated you because now you can actually come to Jesus. Because they can never stop you and your salvation. I don't care what they say and I don't care how they say it. Is anybody getting this today? And there is salvation in no one Else, For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among people by which we must be saved. For God has provided the world no alternative for salvation. So this world, this world of darkness and confusion has no other alternative but Jesus. But here's the important part. Those of us who have accepted Jesus, Jesus said in his prayer, Father, I am coming to you, but I'm going to leave them in the world. I want them to know that they're not of the world, but I'm leaving them in the world. I'm going to leave them my peace. I'm going to leave them my joy, but I need them to go back To the world and call people out of that world, call people out of those philosophical ideologies, to call people out of those theological denominational ideas and bring them to me. So that becomes our responsibility. Our problem is we end up getting swamped. Or drug into all of these ideologies. And we get swallowed up in those things. And pretty soon we are a peaceful, calm part of the world. You can't have two worlds that you're standing in. It's only one at a time. So when you come to Jesus, you come to salvation. Then your job is to call those people in darkness Out of darkness. Well, Pastor, those people are crazy. So were you. (laughs) And somebody took the time to call you out of darkness. Is this making sense? So when you come to Jesus, it frees you to go back and call others. Do you want other people to know the peace of God? Do you want other people to know the joy of God? Do you want other people to know what this feels like to have this kind of relationship where we came to him just as we are and he became a friend of ours? Do you want other people to know that? Then you're going to have to settle a whole bunch of stuff in yourself. That's not important. Got another verse, but we'll use that next week. I I get so moved by the stories that we hear about what Jesus experienced for us the physical destruction of his body. I can visibly hear him praying in the garden of Gethsemane. I can feel how fearful it may have been because he's going to be separated from his father for the very first time in his life. He's never been separated from the father, but he's willing to be separated from me and you. And I can imagine his body being beaten and ripped at and torn. But even more importantly, I can imagine his spiritual relationship with the father being severed. For people, what the scripture says, when we were yet God's enemies, Jesus died for us. And then it comes to us as Christians today. And we won't give the time of day to somebody who thinks different than me. Somebody who feels differently about a particular subject than I do. If I'm going to be a Christian, then I'm going to have to die for others as Christ died for me. But the only way that's going to work for me, I'm going to actually have to come to Jesus. Because if I come to Jesus through a denominational view, that denomination will tell me those people ain't no good. In closing, there's a church called the Westboro Baptist Church i just using them for an example but that particular church will attend funerals of soldiers who have been killed in action they'll attend those funerals and they'll talk about that deceased person they'll call them names they'll talk about all kinds of cultures and of people they Destructive, they're nasty, they're mean, they're vile in the stuff that they say. The foundation for which they built that concept on is not Jesus. It can't be because we just read what Jesus represents. They built that concept on a theological or denominational ideology. And because they grew up in that, they believe that that is the truth and everything else is a lie. I'm here to tell you today, God cannot lie. God will not lie. And his word has told us that if we want to be connected with him in this relationship, we come through Jesus. So when I say come to Jesus, that means I give up everything to come to Christ everything and then once i am here his burden is light his yoke is light his burden is light it's, it's easy what do i do now i go back to the people that i know and i pull them out of that darkness i pray god this is making sense to you today i pray god that this helps you because listen to me don't spend time trying to find your enemy Because the word of God says you're supposed to love your enemy. So if you're going to find a whole bunch of them, you better have a whole bunch of love. Because that's what the word of God says, that you are to love your enemy. Come to Jesus just as you are. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward for sharing with you again soon. God bless. God bless.